The views and opinions expressed by various contributors to 98.5 CKWR and its radio programs are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of 98.5 CKWR Wired World, Inc., its broadcasters, staff, or volunteers. Listeners are urged to use their own discernment and draw their own conclusions. Good morning, my name is Rob Daniels, and welcome to Visions in Sound. Now, for those that may be joining me for the very first time, Visions in Sound is a movie, TV, and video game soundtrack program that I produce each and every week right here on 98.5 CKWR. Well, here we are, show number 42 of 2021, and show number uh, 1095, if you're keeping track that way. This week, we continue Horror Halloween Month, Uh, with a celebration, another 30th anniversary celebration, this time of the film The Silence of the Lambs. The Silence of the Lambs is a 1991 psychological horror film directed by Jonathan Demme and written by Ted Talley, adapted from the Thomas Harris novel uh, uh, 1988 album, rather. It stars Jodie Foster as Clarice Starling, a young FBI trainee who is hunting a serial killer, Buffalo Bill, played by Ted Levine, who skins his female victims. To catch him, she seeks the advice of the imprisoned Dr. Hannibal Lecter, played by Anthony Hopkins, a brilliant psychiatrist and cannibalistic serial killer. Hannibal the Cannibal, they call him. And with just a, uh, and all the way from Ramsgate, England, joining me on the show this week is, uh, as Jason Drury, and hopefully he is uh, doing well. Looks like he had some difficulties there, but, uh, Jason, are you, Jason, are you there? I can, I can hear you at the moment. Can you hear me? I can. I can. Yeah. Yeah. So my screen's gone down for a minute. I need to sort it out and say, but I can, I can talk for the moment. First okay. of all, <laughs> well, that's good. That's good because it, it it looked like things had fallen over on your end, and I was like, "Yeah, yes, yes, it did. Is it somehow it did? I was oh. trying to adjust my my uh, camera, and it 
to fell off my screen and my screen just gone stopped. It's only then you need to sort that out. So uh. <laughs> okay, well, um, let's discuss a little bit of the uh, of the film itself. Now, for myself, I don't recall that I. I'm trying to remember if I saw it in theaters or not because there was a lot of talk about it. I was in college in 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 '91, so I'm trying to remember if I saw it in the theater or not. Uh, probably not. Um, I do remember seeing it on video when it did finally come out. Um, but yeah, it's one of those, one of those films that, hmm, I don't know. You watch it once and I don't know. Do you watch it again? I don't know. What do you think? Jason, how was it received in the UK? Very well. And I've, I've seen it multiple times because my partner's absolutely it's one of our favorite time favorite films. I remember seeing it in the in the pictures at, at uh, in cinema at the Colton Cinema when it first came out all 30 years ago. And I was absolutely dumbstruck by how good it was. And also this use of uh, sound effects, more than unnerving sound effects in some ways. Mm-hmm. The um, it's a, It really did captivate me. It's a great it was. It's. Canty Hopkins' performance is wonderful. It's, like, it's one of those films which are, some people don't see it, or, you know, won't see, won't see it again. We, I've seen it multiple times. It's one of those films that just stands out for me. It's, hmm. an ama- it's, an, it's, an ama- it's a really terrific effort, and it's one, it, it is, and also mainly because of Howard Shaw's score. It's yes. such an important, so integral part of the film, particularly how he wrote it in a way, in terms of. Clary Starling herself, and that's once that's it's a um, it's a terrific achievement. It's, a, it's an example of, for example, what my partner she loves. It's one of her all-time favorite films. And if we went to see Howard Shaw or even before he does, we, we know about him for the Lord of the Rings. Yes. If she had, if she had something to sign, wanted a CD to sign, would it would be Silence of the Lambs? And it's one of the films that we got together with because when I met her, she had the soundtrack album of. How is your score to the Silence of the Lambs? <laughs> so she, she she's a real she she's an absolute real fan of the film, and uh, I enjoy this. I've listened to it so many times. The score of the quartet edition, which we're going to listen to today, has some very interesting additional pieces from the original MCA album, and it's. It's one of Howard Shaw's finest scores, and uh, it, I'm sad to know, sad to know that it wasn't nominated for Oscar. On, on, yeah. on, on, even even though the film itself had multiple Oscar nominations, it's uh, but it's a, it's a, one of Howard Shaw's most memorable achievements in film. Well, yeah, even before um, Lord of the Rings, which was another ten years before that would come out. Ten years, ten years down the line, and and. Even, and even, and, it, and even when you see here Lord of the Rings, you can actually hear bits of silence, particularly at the start of the two towers. I always think, oh, that's how it's your silence of the lamb sort of feel. Is that, is that, <laughs> even it's somewhere that score does, it, it's, it's training ground for what he does with uh, talk, Tolkien 10 years down the line. For sure. And and I had sort of semi-heard of, of Howard Shore at that time. He was more working with uh, David Cronenberg. And, and that sort of thing. And I'd heard of him for scanners and I'd heard of him for, uh, what was it? Dead, dead, uh, uh dead ringers and, and that kind of stuff. And, and the fly. I think and the fly, of course. Yes. But this was kind of a, a real big step for him into the, into a, into the larger world of, of film scoring. So, and he really rose to the occasion and uh, going back to the actual film itself, I think you cannot deny that, uh, that uh, Anthony Hopkins performance is absolutely, bone chilling 
in its in its uh, in his portrayal of of uh, Hannibal Lecter, and it became a, quite an iconic uh, role for him. So it's it's it's. I mean, I I I knew of of Anthony Hopkins, but this I think was a really a real major defining role for him. He'd done some major work in the part, in the sixties with the Lion in Winter and a lot of other films in, in the UK. I think this is this well, really made him stand out in the United States, even though he's done a lot of stuff in America at the time. But this is the one that really made him, you know, a, a standout star in, in, in the United States. He's got a lot of roles from the, in the States after that. Right. Now, the, the score for Silence of the Lambs was, of course, composed by Howard Shore, who would uh, also uh, go on to collaborate with uh, Jonathan Demme on, the, on Philadelphia. Now, recorded in Munich during the latter half of the summer of 1990, the score was performed by the Munich Symphony Orchestra. Shore said, <clears throat> sorry, Shore said, I tried to write in a way that goes right into the fabric of the movie. I tried to make music that just fit in. When you watch the movie, you are not aware of the music. You get your feelings from all elements simultaneously, lighting, cinematography, costumes, acting, music. Jonathan Demme was very specific about the music. Um, the music editor was Susanna Perrick. Now, a soundtrack album was originally released in, uh, by MCA Records on February 5th, 1991, which I have actually, the original, as, as I have the, the more recent one. In addition to Shore's score, recordings of popular music are used prominently in the film. This includes British post-punk music such as Hip Priest by The Fall, which can be heard playing during the climactic scene where Starling enters Buffalo Bill's house. The music has been released in many forms. In this case, the today we'll be listening to the 2021 reissue on Quartet Records. So here is some music from The Silence of the lambs.
And with a little bit of music from the 1991 film, The Silence of the Lambs, that's music by, of course, Howard Shore, as we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of said film. So if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at visionsound. You can also find me on my website, visionsinsound.ca. I'm also on Good Pods and other podcatchers, but... Uh, you can find me under Visions and Sound. Uh, pod, or Good Pods is a downloadable app for your phone or other such devices. And you can also find me on iTunes with uh, with just put in Visions and Sound. You can find me that way. So welcome just back. Don't go, to, don't go to Bad Pods. Oh yeah, don't go to Bad Pods for sure. So welcome back to Visions and Sound. As like I said, we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of Silence of the Lambs. Now we were having a discussion off air there, Jason. But uh, we were talking about the the differences between the book and the movie. Now you said you haven't read the book, but your uh, 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 but your your partner Mandy has. So um, how does she? How do you, how do you think that? Uh, wh- what does she have to say about the differences I, between the book and the movie? I think the the, the, the movie is very. I think could, could, could we talk about both Hannibal and uh, Silence? Silence, I think, is far more. Ted Taylor's script for Silence of the is far more. Pull the book, really. Most most of the book is there. There's some obviously the changes. I think of the Hannibal story, cinema-wise, comes with Hannibal, and that was the particularly the ending. Yeah, the, con- the ending is highly controversial. It's one of the reasons why we did not see Jodie Foster reappear as Clary Starring in Hannibal. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think as far as the Silence of the Lambs concerned, it was far more, you know, like the book, very cinema, really closer to the, far more closer to the book to Titty and Ben uh, Hannibal. But it's, um, it's the Hannibal films, I think, the, it, it, it's important to think of the. Uh, Hannibal Lecter character has really been, you know, mainly done, done by the performance of Han- Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. But the uh, after after this, the it was. I think we've also got to think about the changes of the production team as well. Because remember, this was done by Orion Pictures, the film. It was done. It was like two. I think 20th Century Fox and Universal did the did the uh, did Hannibal. There's a there is a there is a difference in continuity. There's a lot more as far as the book is concerned. With Hannibal, there's a lot more. It's a serious event. There's a lot. There should have been a lot more Jack Crawford, but Jack Crawford never appeared in the in Hannibal, but he appeared in in the book. It's a lot more important in the book than in, right. in the films. So it's, there's differences there. But as far as um, far as Charles Adams goes, I think it's far more faithful to the Thomas Harris's book. And I think he was also involved in uh, making sure of that in the, in the case of the um, of Silence. Okay. Now, like I said, it, it's been a while for me. I, I've been—I tried to find a a copy of either find it on uh, on one of the streaming services or find a copy. It's it's very hard to track down. Um, at least at least if I wanted to get a, uh, a, a, a if I wanted to get it before the the um, uh, before the show. So it's my my knowledge of the movie has is maybe faded a little bit, but you know there are scenes in the film that are burned into my uh in, into my consciousness like the uh the scene where he describes uh uh what is it a um a census taker tried to test him and he ate his he ate his liver the fava beans are the nice chianti yes 
Oh yeah, oh, yeah there yes. you go. That's yeah. I, I, there, I, I, I know the, I know the lines. It's a it's a regular rotation here. We we oh no, look at it again though. Thirty years down the line, I think we were talking off yep. there. It was it. It still stands up. Okay, there's some bits that states it. Like for example, during the autopsy scene, um, Jack Crawford used a, a um, oh, you uh, said a fax machine. A, a, a fax machine, but oh, uh, oh my goodness! Apart, yes, yes, in 1990s, that dates it. But apart from that, it is it still stands up really well as a as a psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. But if if you watch it. Even now, even today, particularly now, the situation with women's rights and um, and all that, you know, particularly with the things we've seen in recently with R. Kelly, for example. Right. She she is Harry Starling in the film. If you look at it, is treated appallingly by people. The only yep. per, only there's only two people who really treat her with more respect in the film. Barney, uh, the the guard at the beginning, yep. and most importantly, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, she's the only one who treats Crawford's supposed to be her boss, and she's throwing her to the rules during this little this little errand for him, knowing what the reaction would be. Yeah, and you see, you see, it's only towards the end of the film he realizes how what a good agent she actually was, mm-hmm. or, or, or will be. So she, it's a very, in a way, very feminist film. I think Shaw saw this, and the music. If you listen to the music, it is on the side of Clary Starling. And I think I think I've said to to you recently, a lot of uh, since since score Shaw scored Science of the Lambs, a lot of women musicians who've just played for have always come to them saying how much they find listening to the music an emotional experience because because the music is so on the side of Clary Starling for the entire movie. Right. It's it's interesting that, that it's 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 your partner's Mandy's favorite score. Or one of her favorite it. scores. I, fi- yeah. I, f- I find that very interesting because it's for, for me that that's, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't stray. I I've never heard, I've never heard, uh, a female say, yeah, I really liked silence of the lambs. <laughs> I've never heard that before. So that's really, that's, to me, that's, that's, I find that, I find that fascinating. It, and of course with, with women, women seem to really go for the film because because of the because it's so pro. You can hear it is Stalin's progression for the entire film. It's on her side for the entire movie, mm-hmm. and it's it's also the subtlety of Shaw's orchestration. It's a lot of strings, loads yeah. of strings. There's no, 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 not much brass. There's only you know, just French horns. There's a bit of uh, trombone. There's no there's no trumpet here. No I, trumpet. I I was going to and, say and, an oboe. I, I'm, there's an oboe that that makes its its yeah, appearance. Yeah. Couple of and times. as the woodwinds, there's a lot of wood, yeah. woodwinds in it. It's really, it's really that that color or the, the woodwinds really make the sound. It really makes, really, it makes this really creepy feel of it. But the the strings, like all good psychological thrillers, like the Psycho, you said, the strings is the main instrument, and they really do stand out for the entire score. And it's a, it's it's a it's a, even now you can listen to it so many times. It's a, it's a really, it can. It can well, like all good films, all good film scores, it really delves you into the film, right? When you listen to it, even though I didn't, I listened to a lot, lot of it last night, and it's so, it still really gets to you. Particularly one of the things I do like musically is when Lecter's in Memphis, he's just landed and he speaks to the senator's wife, and they're talking about, 
And the, the dialogue of that, the, the music on that for the dialogue scene is absolutely superb. It's a really, one of the dramatic moments in your film. It's really well scored. For sure. And also, we should also say towards the end of the film, also the electronic elements of the, when Starling's chasing gum down in his, in his basement, that is, it is so, so, it, it, it does, it's so, so eerie listening to that music. Really, does, it really is, it, the use of ele the electronics in it is very well performed and also, you know, well, brilliantly orchestrated as well. Right. Now, um, we had kind of discussed this off air, but uh, uh, one of the things, could we, oh, you mentioned the fact that uh, a psychological thriller. So, I, I, it begs the question, is Silence of the Lambs horror or psychological thriller? I think psychological thriller. Okay. Because the thing is, is that it does have that. I mean, last week um, we we covered a, a a film called Dead Again, and mm. uh, was just a that I would 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 classify as a as a psychological thriller. There's very little um, gore in it. No. Where whereas uh, whereas Silence of the Lambs has some very disturbing mm. scenes in it. Now, yes. as you as you as you stated off air, and I think we'll, we'll, we're not gonna, I don't think we're gonna get into too too many spoilers here, but uh, there are there are some scenes that that happen off screen, yes, but it's implied, and I think that's yeah. where the where the the it, much like and I'm and I and I liken this to Psycho, very much it gets under your skin, no pun intended, yeah. um, and. Uh, and it it really uh, it it just it just it really bothers you. And I find that Shore's score uh, is very part and parcel to that. And it really it it it, it knocks you off a, a little bit. And you were saying, and I, and I I I yeah. can't confirm or deny this, but you were saying when when Hopkins would speak, there would be this humming in the background. I'm sure this is when I remember seeing at the cinema. There's um. A sound design, it's, I think it is a technique, I think I've read somewhere, that's it, they do in, in certain films to make it really enhance it. I remember, what, I think the, the cinema I went to, it's like stereo surround sound on there. I could swear, when I was, lecture was talking to make you feel even more uneasy, there was this hum, this mmm, mmm, it's really stands you on edge. I think, particularly in the scenes, the early scenes when Starling visits Lecter, and you know, particularly the, the first scene with, with the, uh, the census section. There is a real, particularly some of the, some of the it's, a, it's a very, for, for thriller, it's very dialogue heavy. There's a lot of dialogue that really gets into you. And that's where all this, you know, you don't, it, it's really, why it really does get into your head. And this weird, this hum really doesn't, I remember really watch, watching the film and getting this feeling of very uneasy. Not because of what was said, but the hum was really, tingling your spine thinking oh this is making you feel oh god what's what's made you feel even more than what was what added, added to the dialogue in some way well yeah i mean i mean hopkins performance uh, alone would be spine chilling but i mean just that addition of something else to throw you off yeah. as well and i mean a kind of after silence of the lambs came out and it won all the the awards that it did it drew a lot of of um parodies and mm. uh copycats and there were uh, they i don't know for some reason they never could get the same kind of disturbing performance that anthony hopkins 
Even right. to this day, we just recently had Prodigal Son with Michael Sheen playing a serial killer. So it's it's still happening now. Mm-hmm. Now uh, we'll we'll touch briefly on the the other films we had actually discussed um hannibal and red dragon but there was also a, a television series that ran for a very yes uh three seasons and that sort of thing we'll touch on those in, in, in our next in our next segment but i just wanted to to kind of uh, bring those up because as as things we will we will bring up uh not just silence of the lambs and not just um the the rather disturbing uh aspects of the of the film and uh, i i i hesitate to say celebration of thirtieth of anniversary, but you know what? I'll still go with the whole celebration because it is a really good film, um, and, and and that's where I think we're we're coming from in this case. It's it's celebrating the art of the art of the filmmaking in this case, and there was a reason it, it, why it won, it won all the awards. Yeah, exactly. Henry Hopkins, Jodie Foster, some, it's great, even you've got you've got to forget not forget Ted Levine's his performance. It's a very difficult character to play, and. Uh, he he really the menace of it and the how how he how, how he how he pulled that pulled that performance off was amazing too, right? Just and his 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 his, his, his what he did for that film is kind of forgotten these days, mainly because of Hopkins and Jodie Foster and that. But he he he, he contributed so much to the film with the performance of the uh, of the killer Jane Gum. Yeah. Now the thing is, is that. Um, um, just a just a little side note that that I, I I kind of make sense, but when you when you when when you think about it, uh, um, the character of Dana Scully from uh, from the X Files, yes, from what I understand, is based on Clarice Starling from 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 the Silence of the Lambs. If you look at the pilot episode, she looks just like uh, I remember watching it. That, it she, she's doing a. Um Clarice Starling. It, she looks just like Clarice Starling in the pilot, so it's it's clear that she was influenced For by sure. Silence of the Lambs. Well, at least at least Chris Carter was, and I'm sure Gillian uh, uh, Anderson was as well. Well, and, and she and uh, I've looked after that. She actually appears in the Hannibal TV series. Ah, that's interesting. Okay, maybe that's something that we'll we'll touch on briefly when when we when we come back. So yeah, I'm going to continue on with some more music from. The 1991 film, The Silence of the Lambs, as, and I will say this, we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of this, of the film, and uh, we'll be right back, um, right after this.
98.5 CKWR Real Radio
with a little bit more music from the 1991 film Silence of the Lambs. That's music by Howard Shore. Uh, if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me, of course, at visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at visionsound. You can also try me on my website, visionsinsound.ca, where this show will show up in about two to three hours time. And also you can try and find me on Good Pods which is a uh, podcatcher, as I, I uh, as my friend Eric Woods often calls it. Uh, just type in Visions and Sound. You can find me that way. And you can also find me on Apple Music or iTunes, depending on what you use. And uh, just type in Visions and Sound and find me that way. So welcome back to Visions, Sound, Visions in Sound as we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of The Silence of the Lambs. So... In preparation for this, uh, the, for this, this show as well, even though I didn't see the movie per se, um, I pulled together some, uh, some trivia bits and we did discuss the, the, the idea that, uh, that, uh, um, Dana Scully from the X-Files was based on, on Clarice Starling, but there are some other little bits of information and, uh, it's just one of those, those, uh, it's one of these movies that you, you, you kind of like to, to, to have a look behind the scenes as well. So, um, here's some, here's, here's some trivia and we can discuss this as, as it, as, yeah. as we go along, uh, in preparation for his role, sir, sir, Anthony Hopkins studied several, uh, files of serial killers. He also visited prisons and studied convicted murderers and was present during some court hearings concerning some gruesome murders and serial killings. You know what? It, 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 he did his he did his homework well. Mm, I just did. will will say that because um, I'll say that uh, Hopkins really really nails the 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 creepy aesthetic that goes into uh, into uh, into Hannibal Hannibal Lecter uh, and and just 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 the the portrayal and the fact that he was able to carry it and and we can discuss the. Uh, um, uh, the, the sequels and, and the spinoff television yeah. series as well. But those portrayals carried into the, the other, the other films. But they are iconic. He, he really stamped his mark on the role. You think of Ant Hannibal Lecter, you think of Anthony Hopkins. Yes. You, you, you don't think of that other film that we were not going to talk about. Uh, uh, Brian Cox or <laughs> Mads, Mads Mikkelsen. Yes. Now, um, um, the series was, was, uh, what, three seasons, did you three say? Three seasons, yes. And, uh, yeah, so, um, how is Mads Mikkelsen's performance as, as kind of a younger Hannibal Lecter? Well, it, it I haven't seen it, that's why I ask. It was, it wasn't Hannibal Lecter, you know, it wasn't Hannibal Lecter and Anthony Hopkins, because it was a very, obviously, the, uh, actor a different, different country, and right. his, his, his natural accent came through. There's, he was. Yeah, I thought he was okay. He was okay, but he, he's. I remember the series a lot. I think I said there's a lot of there's a lot of cooking in the series. <laughs> there's a lot of people eating meals and not hmm. realizing what exactly what they're eating. Yeah, a lot of it. And the first the first two seasons I thought were really good, but the third season was absolutely started appallingly. Like I I I have I've watched watching paint dry. 
and had more fun watching watching that than watching the first episode of season three. And no wonder got cancelled for it. And I think I mentioned Julian Julian Anderson was, as you said, was um, Dana Scully was linked to Clary Starling. She actually appears in the series. Right. She's like some sort of psychologist who knows Hannibal Lecter. And there's a point in the series, the first first few episodes is one of the rare occasions where I thought Julian Anderson is such a fine actress put in a really bad performance she was poor which was even we were we were both watching Mandy myself I thought she's really bad in this at the moment this is not her she usually she's very good but this but the but the first three episodes is worse than watching paint you know watching paint draws more inciting at one point there's nothing nothing happened it was just, it was just a shame because apart from after that the, the ending of season two was really dramatic and exciting and it's a bit in Hannibal Lecter is that he's exposed and he escapes and he escapes into 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 Rome in Venice, in the, in the Vatican, in a similar way that like um, you see the scene in um, in Hannibal in in the film, you know, right. it's, 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 in that, it's it's slight hints to what's happening. Clearly, I think I didn't see the last episodes because I really after those first episodes kind of like you know that, that I stopped watching the series, but I did, did realize that Carrie Stone did appear towards the end of season three. But um, it's, just, it's, it's the first two episodes, first two seasons I thought were really really good, but the third one was just oh. I can see why it, it, it made it was just the first episode was just pants, and that's why I, just, I stopped watching it. <laughs> pants. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't heard that I, I, term too often. I think it's. I think it's rather rather humorous. I, just, I, 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 I said it's just, I've seen watching paint dry more, more, more exciting. <laughs> in any case, uh, now it says here uh, what I've got in in my my trivia as well is with 24 minutes and 52 seconds of screen time, Sir Anthony Hopkins' performance in this movie is the second shortest to ever win an Academy Award for Best Actor in a Leading Role, with uh, David Niven in separate tables beating him at 23 minutes and 39 seconds. And yeah, when you think about it... um, not a very, not a very lot, not a lot of screen time for Hannibal, and most but, of it is either he's either behind glass or he's behind, uh, um, kind of a, uh, a mask of some and type. It, it, talking of which, there's this the scene when the, the final interrogation with the lambs come in. in you see, I do remember particularly. I think if you see if you see the film, I think you probably you, you probably if you if you're a big fan of the film, you know this already. Right. When the, the, the when the, the Clary Starling and Hannibal Lecter have had a final conversation, a final talk about the lambs. He's behind bars, but you see as it gradually go, as the scene gradually progresses, the bars disappear. Yeah. And it's suns, you know, they they are. It's it's so much an important bit. If you, you if you know you, if you see the film many times, you notice that, and it's I think it's done deliberately because those two, as I said before, Lecter is one of the one of the few people in the film who actually treated it with some respect. There's a bit yeah. of a lot of there's a lot of a lot of male chauvinism in this film, and you can see there was there was, there was this bonding together, particularly at the end when she she, she 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 when she's pulled away and she has to go back to pick up the case files, and you see the little hand touch. Yeah, there is a there's a there's something there between them, and because he's and it, well uh, even even right down to the last statement of the film, and if you haven't seen yes. it, yeah, you know. It's much. It's, it's much it, nicer. What? What? What, I, what is it? It's not nice. The world is a, a better place. It's power place. The world is a better place with you in it. Yes. I will not go after you. And it, which shows respect. Yeah, she respects. She 
in outside the beginning when she said you look like a lobe robe she um her lecture gained a lot of respect for her and she was not going to she he did he didn't want to she knew about her job would be to chase chase him down but he wanted her in the world in this world because she, she was she wasn't going to he he wasn't going to go after her to kill her right yeah, I think I said if it, Hannibal Lecter said he only killed bad people. I think it's one of the things that if he's thinking, he only he didn't kill anybody, a good person. He only killed bad people. I think that was his his um, mo. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and there's an, there's another trivia which I think pe- people don't realise. I think I've read somewhere that the set can be a very considering that that sort of film, you know, very depressing. You know, can be very depressing for actors. Yeah. What? This is. I think this is great. Anthony Hopkins during during the during the during the out between takes was doing Tommy Cooper impressions to keep the, the yeah 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 you know yeah 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 you know, in a, in a happy mood, right. considering the considering the the script and the you know the pressiness sometimes of the script, he tried to keep it keep it jolly as much as he could. Okay, I have to ask you this: Who's Tommy Cooper? Oh my God, he's one of the greatest British comedians in history. That's why I don't know him. He, he's Sorry. a magic. He he, he was a he he, he an actor of being a magician and everything went wrong. But you know, he was a, he was he was a, a really good magician. Mm-hmm. And he's one that one. Of the, if you look at Tommy Cooper on online and some of his performances. He still makes me laugh. He's in nineteen, you know, his sixties and seventies was his 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 peak time, and unfortunately, I think in nineteen he actually saw this. He actually died live on television. Unfortunately, he had a heart attack on. Mm. on, on but uh, his legacy still. I think I've got what two seconds. His legacy still goes on. And even now, I have books on him, and this is if you can see this. This is um, I do, I have books of his stuff here. Ah. Is that as important to me? Okay. So he's he's one one of the, the great British comedy comedy talents of all time, and Andy Hopkins is a big fan of Tommy Cooper. Yeah, it was it was funny you were referring to this Tommy Cooper, and I didn't want to go. Okay, he's talking about Tommy Brit- Cooper. Who is who is Brit- Tommy Cooper? British, maybe British, maybe he'll maybe maybe he'll 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 tell us who it is. Uh, anybody with British listeners would know who Tommy Cooper is. He's one of the great <laughs> comedians of, of of British British humor, and he's, he's still he died in like thirty nearly thirty years ago, but he's still. As popular today, but he's always been in this yeah. country. All right. Well, I, bit... I shall I shall show you some stuff of his in due time, maybe, in, <laughs> and you see why he was he's so 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 good. Right. I met I remember often there was this um, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, there was this there was a actor Clive Mantle, I think, who appeared in uh, Robin Hood. He he played Tommy Cooper in the stage play, and even with Tommy Cooper, which uh, Mandy and me went to, and it was absolutely an amazing performance. When he actually he he did some of his actual act as part of Act One, and he was he was so good as Tommy Cooper. He ah. did it absolutely absolutely perfectly. So he's he's so he's so well known. It's kind even they've written plays about him. He's, he's that good. He's, he's one of the great comedian great com- British comedians of all time. If you if you look at British comedy, Tommy Cooper would be up there as one of the best, one of the greats. Okay, well you heard it here, folks. For those that are are. Not familiar, Tommy Cooper is one of the greatest British comedians, according to Jason Look, him, look, look him up on YouTube. <laughs> okay. After the show, of course. 
Yes, of course. So, uh, so another bit of trivia here. Uh, when Sir Anthony Hopkins was fa- uh, found out that he was cast as Dr. Hannibal Lecter based on his performance as Dr. Frederick Tre- uh, Trevis in The Elephant Man, uh, he questioned director Jonathan Demme and said, but Dr. Trevis was a good man. To which Demi replied, so is Lecter. He is a good man too, just trapped in an insane mind. Exactly. That's why he only kills bad people. Yep. Okay, another bit of trivia here. Sir Anthony Hopkins, uh, an agent called him in London to tell him he was sending him a script called The Silence of the Lambs. Hopkins immediately thought he might be going up for a children's movie. (laughs) Oh, Yes. (laughs) Would not be surprised. Yes. Now, the uh, according to um, a bit of trivia that I have here, the first moth cocoon found in one of the victim's throats was made from a combination of Tootsie Rolls and gummy bears that so that it would be edible if swallowed. I could I, see that. I, I could see that. It, it got, I think the actual person made up to be a dead body. You had to be... It's, it's pretty good how to keep keep that in. Yeah. <laughs> or it could have been as close up with the mouth and it opened up. I'm sure it was something that's your real mouth. It wasn't a prosthetic. Now now to um to um uh, to take things in a little bit of a different direction and I just wanna just ask this very briefly. I wonder how much extra you get paid to be a dead body in a film. I know. I've often wondered that because uh well there there's a, a a film that I that I have called uh, Resurrection. It's a nineteen 19- I believe it's actually a nineteen, a two thousand and one film. Um, that's that has uh, uh, Christopher Lambert and uh, and uh, Leela Norser in it. And there's this one. And it's a uh, it's a Russell Mulcahy film actually. Guy did Highlander, and uh, he he's talking about this one uh, this one guy who 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 um uh, or there's 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 commentary on the film, and he talks about this one guy who wants who wanted desperately to be a uh, uh, a, a cadaver in the film mm-hmm. and uh, and what he so the one of the things that they had to worry about was uh, uh as as a as a because if you're dead you're nude as well yes and so the one thing that they were worried about is that during the during the scene that the man would get an erection <laughs> and that was that was that that was a, a real concern so as a as a dead body you have to be truly dead uh, I, i've i've heard i've heard of stiffs but that's ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> moving right along uh speaking of stiffs uh jamie jamie gum uh, dance was not included in the original draft of the screenplay although it appears in the novel it was added at the insistence of ted levine who thought the scene was essential in defining the character and yeah there is Absolutely a right there is the, it is it is rather disturbing and it it yes. stays with you and it's a good it's a good sport for doing it as well and that's one of the reasons why his performance is it's such an important contributor to the movie success was his performances gum and it's what one that was it is a pivotal scene you actually, you actually see that to see what sort of man he was what it was turning into yeah the the, mon- the monster was shown in its all its glory in that scene particularly you know what's happening in, in the the uh, the girls in the uh, in the pot, she's trying to entice the dog into the into the hole at that at that point. So it's a so it's such an important scene in the film. And how and uh, considering only a few seconds later, Carrie Starling appears. It's, she, she changed very quickly into normal clothes. 
So yeah. you notice, it's, 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 it's five minutes, a couple of minutes later, Kawasai knocks on his door. And he's very quickly back. He's got his shirt on and, you know, and, and trousers. That was a quick change. Yes, it was. Now, uh, this one I find very interesting because it really, I, I guess it shows just how good an actor Anthony Hopkins was. Uh, Jodie Foster avoided Anthony Hopkins during their scenes together because she was terrified of him. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, that just shows... Just how iconic Hannibal's performance, or, or Hopkins, Hopkins' performance is. Now, of course, he's separated himself from it 30, 30 some odd years later, but that's that's the, the, the specter of, of Hannibal Lecter, if you'll excuse the, the word play there, um, does, does stick with him, I'm mm. sure. And there are people probably to this day who go... Who, point, who, who go to, to, yeah. sir, to, sir, to Sir Anthony Hopkins going, huh? Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. Yep. He still looks like Hannibal Lecter, that's a thing. But he, he's, got, he's such a sweet man. He says yep. all this painting he does in his pan, and he plays the piano. He's even within the film school. I think I played one on my show, or one, one, one of his scores. So he's a very talented man. Yep. And uh, one of his, one of, you mentioned the Elephant Man. If you haven't seen Elephant Man, please see the Elephant Man, because yes. that is one of his greatest performances. That is such a, that is such a, it's a one that is a terrific film. Not exactly a jolly film, obviously, very depressing. Yes. But his performance in it is absolutely amazing. In any case, we're going to continue on with some more music from Silence of the Lambs as we're getting very close to the end of the program. I know it's it seems like a half an hour away, but this this music is really that good. So we'll continue on with some more music from the uh, from the film, and we'll be back to kind of sort of wrap up the the show in a little bit. But here is some more music from Howard Shore's score to the Silence of the Lambs as we're celebrating the thirtieth anniversary.
And with a little bit of music from the 1991 film The Silence of the Lambs. It's music, of course, by Al, um, Howard Shore. I don't know why I was going to say Alan Silvestri. Howard Shore. No idea why I was going to go there. Anyway, in any case, uh, some fantastic. Parallel universe, maybe. That yeah. <laughs> something like that. In any case, uh, we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of the film, and it is. Uh, we've had some some fantastic discussions off air. Now, one of the things that we were, that we did want to discuss is that you mentioned, and I hadn't even thought about this until you did mention it, that there is actually a companion score to this film. And what would that be, Jason? Seven. Cool. David Fincher film. Six years down, four or five years down the line, you score seven. You, 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 there are very a lot of similarities to the, the score to Science of the Lambs. And I could also, there's a number, there's a, I, felt, I think there's a number of scores that sure did. You, you find similarities to, I think, like Naked Lunch and a few, and a, and a few others. Right. You did the Cronenberg after. which have very similarities in their tone to Science of the Lambs. But this one is really one of the most important scores of Shaw's career and probably helped him about 10 years down the line, getting getting the gig for Lord of the Rings films, which you can see in some places, if you know the score as much as I do, you can see some of the Science of the Lambs influences in it, particularly yeah. at the the first few notes of the, of the Turn of the King. I thought, this is the guy who composed Science of the Lambs. You can hear it in the music. <laughs> right. I, I find it interesting. And I did I did do an interview with Howard Shore back in 2002. Uh, we, while we didn't get into the Silence of the Lambs, um, we did discuss a lot of his, 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 uh, his, his Lord of the Rings work. And one of the things, uh, one of the things that I've heard him, I've heard maybe, I think it was him or was another composer that there is a lot of, of, um, of crossover between, uh, fantasy and science fiction and horror. And you get that and you really feel that. Um, cause as, as I was saying, at one point in the in in the the last cue that we heard, I even turned to you and said, "This sounds like Alien. This sounds like it could it, it yeah. could very easily fit in the film Alien." So it's a, it's a, it's really well, it's, go ahead. interesting sounds. Really interesting sounds. Particularly the scenes related to it's very, it really as the eeriness and the uh, and the claustrophobia of that scene. It's a really well scored, a well initiated sequence, which was you know how they decided that. For that to score that scene in that way, particularly it's all it's all in it, all in the dark, and it really does add to the creepiness of the and the and the fear that he's going to come and get Chloe starting at that very moment. Yeah, it's, you know, it really adds adds to the scene so well. All right, so yeah, this uh, the the score here though, and 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 something else you mentioned as well is that there's no there's no the orchestration, there's no trumpet in this, there's no. no it's very little, very little uh, brass. It's, you know, I think there's a bit of uh, trombone notice and uh, some horns in there, but very, there's no trumpets and a lot of and a little bit of woodwind. But it's mainly a string orientated score, and it really strings and this sort of this sort of movie really go together so well. Mm-hmm. A great, great example, of course, is Psycho. And it re- well, I, I was really, just I was just going to say that it's a really string prominent score, and it's a and that's why you get, you get the beauty out of the it's a beauty out of the macabre out of it. Yeah, because of the beauty, the strings are such a wonderful instrument to use to have to have in a in these sort of films, and it really sure uses it so well in this movie. Well, I was just going to say it probably it probably it probably wouldn't surprise me uh, to hear that uh, that Shore probably used Psycho as as a uh, an inspiration. For I would him. not be I would not be surprised. 
But but in, in, in his inimitable style, it's a very Herman and Shaw are different composers in some ways, but they're both very good. I think Shaw is very much. I think you could describe this score like it's John Barry was a great one of the greatest string string writers in film music. Right. This is like this is like a, a horror version of John Barry in some way because of the use of the, the strings. They're very both both writers are real string experts and writing strings for the scores. And this is a great example of Howard Shaw really using the strings to real great effect. All right. Well, I want to thank you very much, Jason, for being on the show. Your insight is always, always appreciated. So can you let me know what you got coming up for you? Well, the talking soundtrack cycle is starting very soon. It's the umbrella for my interviews these days. You'll be hearing soon the Bruce Boss interview I've done recently and Natalie Holt I've spoken to again. I've also got a few I'm working on at the moment. I've got a I've got quite a few interviews I'm working on at the moment, particularly is the Stephen C. Smith interview about Max Steiner, which I'm right. thoroughly enjoying doing the final edit at the moment. It's really looking all oh, golden age Hollywood. It's it's a, it's a different world. It's wonderful, and also I want to do a. I'm trying to get a Halloween special done before Halloween as well. So uh, I've got plenty of stuff coming up very soon on the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast Network, as well as a couple another interview for Physical Monthly we'll be doing next week as well. So uh, I've got plenty on my plate at the moment. Awesome, all good. Oh, good. <laughs> that's good. Well, that's all for us this week. Thanks for hanging in, those that did. Uh, before we head off today, though, um, before uh, I hope as you're getting on with your day that you realize just how awesome you are. Never let anyone tell you any different. If you're ever not feeling right, there are people out there who care about you and are willing to chat. If not family, then some professional who can help. As Rocky said, nobody hits harder than life. I know from personal experience how hard it is for me to sit behind this mic week after week when I feel like no one's listening. I would never have made it this far without a huge uh, team of people who support me. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help, resources are available in case of emergency. Please call 911 or the emergency number in your area for immediate help. The Canadian Association for Suicide Prevention, Depression Hurts, and Kids Help Phone at 1-800-668-6868 all offer ways of getting help if you or someone you know may be suffering from mental health issues. So join me next week as we continue into Halloween and Horror Month with a look at the recent score to Dune with music by Hans Zimmer. I'll end off this week's show with some more music from Silence of the Lambs, and I will be back next week with more Visions in Sound. Have a good night.